Psalm 116. Psalm 116. Look at a portion of verse 6. Verse 6. The Lord preserveth the simple. This is David penning this psalm. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. I was brought low, and he helped me. If you've ever experienced being brought low, you know what he's talking about. The backdrop of this psalm is uh, David penning this psalm. And David was lamenting. Uh, His son was pursuing his life. Saul, King Saul, was pursuing his life. He ended up hiding in a cave. He ran from those that were pursuing him and desiring to take his life. And he had friends that had forsaken him, family that had forsaken him, and he experienced some pretty low lows. And so he references that a little bit, but he doesn't stop there. He says, I was brought low and he wonder who he's talking about. Talking about the Lord. He said, and he helped me. So let's look at Psalm 116 and see if we can get some of the same benefit that David got out of it. Because David certainly laments that he was brought low. But he also reminds us that there is help in the Lord. Not many other places. We can always be assured to find it, but we can always be certain to find our help from the Lord. He starts out and he says, I love the Lord. He tells us why he mentions that he loves the Lord. But he loved the Lord because the Lord first loved him. The Lord loved him and the Lord knew him even before he was born. The Lord loved David. And so one of the reasons that David loved the Lord is because the Lord loved him. And if you love the Lord, that's an evidence that God loves you. I'll never forget when Catherine came forward to be baptized. She was four years old and uh, after she kept going to her parents and, and wanted to Uh, following baptism, uh, finally we went downstairs and we were talking and the way I remember it, and it's been so many years ago that I hope I can get it right, but the way that I remember uh, she was telling us that she wanted to be babamatized, and so uh, then she began to explain why, and I said, why do you want to be baptized? And she says, well, she says, I love the Lord, but she says he's been loving me a whole lot longer than that, and that was from a four-year-old at that time. And she still holds to that. And so David loved the Lord because the Lord loved him. And then David says, I also love the Lord because he hears my prayers. 
He says, I love the Lord because he hath heard the voice and my request or my supplications. So he says, I love the Lord because the Lord hears me. That's a great blessing to know that the Lord hears us. He hears us all the time. He hears us every time. Whether we think he does or not, the Lord hears our prayers and our supplications. And David said, as a result of knowing that that God hears my prayers, that he knows my needs, that he's available to hear my request. He says, I I love the Lord. Then he says, I love the Lord because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore, I will call upon him as long as I live. Great verse right here. He says, because he hath inclined his ear toward me. In uh, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, it talks about, uh, it, it, it mentions this right here about our prayers. And sometimes we don't know. Uh, how to pray. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. Sometimes we don't know what to ask for, uh, what the request is. And sometimes it might just be a groaning from within. And we have encouragement right here in uh, Romans chapter eight. He says, likewise, I love this. I love these verses right here. These are so good. He says, likewise, a eight twenty six. likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. So no matter what our infirmity is, no matter what our trial or tribulation or what we're dealing with is in our life, God has promised that he's given the spirit, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is referred to as the comforter. He has left it here for us. And he says, I've left you the spirit to help you in all of your infirmities. So no matter what your infirmity is, it covers that. Your infirmity is not outside what God has created to help you with your infirmity. He says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. He says, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Anybody here ever know, not know what you should pray for? I mean, uh, sometimes we think we do. And sometimes we're glad that God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we ask them. And sometimes later on down the road, we can see why God doesn't. But here he says, uh, Paul says, the spirit helps our infirmities. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But I love this right here. He says, even when we don't know what we should pray for, he says, the spirit of God maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So he even knows the groanings of your heart. If there's if there's a yearning or a groaning within, God knows that. And as a child of God, you have a praying heart. You have just like a an infant child has a desire to be with their mother and father. You have a desire to be heard by your heavenly father. And so from the time that you're quickened with the spirit of God, you have that yearning and that desire to communicate with your heavenly father. And that's what praying is. And he says, even when you don't have words to do it, the groanings of your heart. And the spirit interprets it and communicates with you. Now, there's a a, this this goes on down. This, This is so good right here. He says, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I'm so glad that that uh, that we don't have 
uh, an, I, I'm so glad I don't have the responsibility. I can tell you I don't have the authority, nor the, and I'm thankful I don't have the responsibility to be an intercessor for you. The Holy Spirit of God is the intercessor for you between you and Almighty God, and you don't need anybody else to be the mediator for you. You can go directly to God. The Holy Spirit of God works your prayer, presents it to God, and is your intercessor. And you just can't beat the Holy Spirit of God interceding on your behalf. It's always there. So look what he says. And he, God, that searcheth the hearts, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints. Now this is really good. He says he maketh intercession for the saints according to... He doesn't say according to our will, but he says, according to the will of God, you've got somebody watching out for you when you can't watch out for yourself. And it's the Holy Spirit of God and it's interceding for you. And he says, and what it's going to always 100 percent of the time direct you on is what is according to the will of God. Now, the next verse, a lot of folks, some folks shy away from this verse. Some folks hammer on it. Uh, Some folks uh, make it divisive. I'll share with you my thoughts on it. And we know. Good to know a few things. He says right here, we know something. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, first of all, he carves out who it's working to good for. He carves it out. It doesn't say that it's for everybody. But he says, and we know that all things work together for good. And he, he classifies those individuals right there. He says, to them that love God. So first of all, that's the group that he's talking about right here. So if we're going to consider what things that he's talking about right here, it's for this group that he's talking about. We know that all things that work together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. Elder Compton was such a wise peacemaker among the primitive Baptists. And I loved I loved the fellowship and hearing him speak and hearing his wisdom. And I'll never forget hearing him speak on this verse right here. And he explained it in in great detail. And and I appreciated the way he explained it. He said, all things does not necessarily mean everything. Doesn't mean everything. He said, it does specifically mean the five things that are below it right here. He says, those that are called according to his purpose. There are five things that are mentioned right here. And he said, those things work together for our good. Those that he foreknows, he predestinates. And those that he predestinates, he calls. And those that he calls, he justifies. And those that he justifies, he glorifies. And so those five things, without a doubt, work together for our good all the time. Now... It doesn't have to stop right there. I believe that's all inclusive and it does include those five things that he's talking about right there. But I don't believe that it means everything. I embrace what Brother Compton taught that all things is not everything. Some things that I just cannot understand 
how it works for my good, my own sinful nature for one reason, for one thought. I don't understand how that is. But I will say that God can, God, Jesus Christ, he can take something bad and he can make it good. Now, I can take something good and make it bad. But he can take something that's not good and he can make it good if he chooses to do that. He can bring good out of it if he chooses to do that. And so we have to just, in in, in my estimation, we just need to be submissive that God is sovereign over all. And he sometimes chooses to intervene and deliver and help. And sometimes he doesn't. But we have to be submissive that that God is sovereign. He's the ruler. He is overall. He is the potter. We are the clay. And therefore, we're to be submissive to the will of God. And, And sometimes that's hard to do. But the point that I wanted to get on this right here is that in, in praying, in, in, in what he refers to in, in the second verse here, when the psalmist says, Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. That when we pray, when we present these supplications to him, that even if we don't have the right words, he still hears our request, even if it's just from inside and it's a groaning within. And then... I love the description that he used right here. God, who is over all, who is in the heavens, who holds this earth into existence, who has heaven in his hand, has all of his people in his hand. It says that the description that he uses is so precious right here. That God, who is all-powerful, majestic, it says that the picture that the psalmist has is that God bows down and inclines His ear to hear the needs of His little ones. He said He reaches down and He inclines His ear to hear us. Can you imagine an awesome God that has all power, knows all, knows all about us, knows our sinful frame, knows what we think and what we say and what we do. And yet he has compassion and mercy upon us to bow down and incline his ear to hear our petition. God delights to hear your request. He does. And. Uh, David says, by the way, I'll call on him as long as I live. We have the example of Jesus Christ going and and, and praying to the Father all night before the the crucifixion. We have the example of of Stephen as he was being stoned and in delivering the gospel and preaching a message about Jesus Christ and was being stoned to death. He was praying and calling on the Lord Jesus Christ and and even uh, asking God to not lay it to their charge what they were doing. And, And he prayed right until he went home. And how many times do you go to the bedside of a dear old saint, uh, a dear old brother or a dear old sister and they're and they're talking to the Lord or their families talking to the Lord on their behalf? 
The psalmist says, I'll pray for it. I'll I'll speak my supplications as long as I live. You start out when God touches you and quickens you with the spirit and you end up doing it right before the Lord takes you home. He says, the sorrows of death have compassed me and the pains of hell have got hold on me. I found trouble and sorrow. He's highlighting his situation here. He says, I found trouble and sorrow. He says, I then I then called I upon the name of the Lord. And I said, oh, Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. My soul is experiencing sorrow. I have sorrow of heart. I'm overwhelmed. I'm I'm discouraged. I can't see. I can't see how to put one foot in front of the other. And he says it's almost it's it's almost as if he says the sorrows of death have compassed me. The pains of hell have got hold upon me. He says and, and, and when I look at it, when I look at my situation, he says all I see around is trouble and sorrow. He says, but then I'm glad he didn't stop there. He says, but then called I upon the name of the Lord. My pastor's wife in Lubbock, Sister Jamie Johnson, a faithful, dear, dear sister. She's visited here a time or two. The Lord took her husband at an early age in his in his early 60s. And she said that she was so lost after that, she said, I didn't even have the words to pray. And she said, I'd be driving down the road and I didn't have the words. And she said, I just simply say, Lord, help me. Didn't know what else to say. Didn't know what I needed. But I knew I needed help from the Lord. And that's what David's saying right here. He says, when I found trouble and I found sorrow. And he's and and that's so often the life of the of the Christian. We would like to always be on the mountaintop. We would we'd like things to go well. We'd like you know, not to have problems, not to have difficulties, not to have health issues, not to have family issues. We'd love for things to just go smooth and, and, and be on the mountaintop. But we're taught that there's many sorrows for the child of God, yet the Lord delivereth them out of them all. And sometimes God delivers us here in this life, but ultimately he's going to deliver all of us when he takes us on home to glory. By the way. It, this is just this is probably a good time to think on this. Sometimes we may be looking at somebody else's life. And we may be quick to judge their situation. When in essence, we may not know anything about their situation. They may have difficulties and struggles that we don't know anything about. And we ought to not be quick to judge folks because you never know what somebody is dealing with in their life. David said, when I had trouble and sorrow, he says, then I ran to the Lord. And he says, and I found help. 
He says, I ran to the Lord and he says, I called upon the name of the Lord. And he says, I said, oh, Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. It's interesting that David right here didn't even reference his body, which his life was what was being threatened. But he was experiencing sorrow of soul. And he was saying, I I believe what David was saying is even though there were those that were pursuing his life, Saul and and Absalom and, and those that were pursuing the life of David. I believe David was saying, no matter what happens to my life, Lord, I need you to strengthen and bless my soul. I need my soul to be strengthened no matter what else happens. Uh, Physically, I I may be facing uh, great hardships, but if you can just, Lord, encourage my soul, then I can handle whatever comes my way. If my soul is encouraged in the Lord. He said, Lord, would you deliver my soul? It's almost David says it. The way I perceive it here is that he had such a sorrow of soul that that it he didn't just need it uh, helped a little bit. He needed it delivered. He needed a great deliverance. Sometimes I don't know if, if maybe you, I hope you don't get there. But uh, uh, but if, if you just get hit rock bottom, you feel like that your soul is overwhelmed. And what he's saying right here is, Lord, I need you. I need you to help my soul. I need you to actually deliver my soul. And he says, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. I think that gives us some indication that he knew that he had experienced deliverance in times past. And he had full expectation that God was going to bless his soul And revive his soul once again and hold him up. He said, Lord, you're gracious and you're righteous. And Lord, you're merciful. And Lord, I need mercy because I haven't always done everything right. In fact, there's more things that I haven't done right than I have. And Lord, I need your mercy. And I want you to help me and I want you to deliver me and and I want you to I want you to sprinkle it or flood it with mercy, because if you're doing it based on what I deserve, then, Lord, I don't deserve it. And, Lord, I know you're righteous and I know you're gracious, but, Lord, I need you to have mercy upon me. David reminds us of that. The Lord preserveth the simple. David said, I was brought low and he helped me return unto thy rest. Oh, my soul. This is interesting here. David had expressed his his hunger in his soul. And yet he comes now and he says, return unto thy rest. Oh, my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with me. Isn't that something, a great way to put it? When we look and we go back to when the Lord starts his blessings with us. And when we look at the, we can only have a concept of time. But when we look at that and we look at the big picture, 
Every one of us here can say, not based on where we are right now, but based on looking at the entire picture, the Lord has dealt bountifully with us. How's that? He dealt bountifully with you when he knew you from before the foundation of the world. He dealt bountifully with you when he knew your name and he wrote it in the Lamb's book of life from before you doing any good or evil. He knew you from before you were conceived in your mother's womb. He knew you. He knew you as you were being carried by your mother. He knew you right then and there as well. And probably many of you, some of you, he may have actually planted the Holy Spirit in yet while you were in your mother's womb. It, the evidence that we have in the scriptures is that he does it when he sovereignly chooses and he does it at some point between conception and death here in this life. Not birth and death, but conception and death. We have examples of that with John leaping for joy when he was six months along in his mother's womb at the salutation of the word of Jesus Christ. So God recognizes life before birth. And he even quickens some of his children with spiritual life even before they're born. So he dealt bountifully with you while you were in your mother's womb. He deals bountifully with us when we're born and we live here in this life and he touches us with his Holy Spirit and he deals bountifully with us to bless us to know that we have an eternal home that he has prepared for us that we're going to. And he's going to deal bountifully with us to take us on home to glory and to be with him forevermore. So all of us can look at our entire life, even before our life, and say, That God has dealt bountifully with us and it ought to encourage us in where we are right now. It should. He says, you dealt bountifully with thee, for thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears and my feet from falling. Wow. David, no doubt, had shed many tears, but he says, God has encouraged me and blessed my soul. And he's even removed some tears from my eyes. He's even kept me from falling. You know, this is just good, a good concept to, 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 to be aware of. That the reason that God keeps us from falling is that he has us in his hand. We may stumble along here in this life, but we just can't fall very low. Because no matter, even if we stump our toe or we... Uh, stumbled along the way we're not going to go very far because we're right in his hand and he's holding us up underneath are the everlasting arms of almighty God he says for thou hast delivered my soul from death mine eyes from tears and my feet from falling he says I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living David begins to almost give us some Uh, direction on how he believes that his life should be spent since he has been dealt so bountifully with blessings from the Lord. And he says, 
He says, I'll walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I, I believe what he's saying right here is, is I, I'm going to I'm going to live my life for the Lord. Not to get his home in heaven, but because he is heaven bound. And because the Lord has dealt so bountifully with him that David has a desire to spend whatever time that he has left um, living his life for the Lord. I remember the app that Brother Tom uh, got on his phone and you type in uh, your birth date and uh, how old you are and uh, what the life expectancy is. And it was a little bit discouraging when you look at how few days are left compared to how many days that you've lived. And that was a long time ago when you did that. Probably 10 or 15 years. That's narrowed down a whole lot since then. But David's saying right here that whatever time that I have left, I'm going to spend it with the Lord. And he says, this is real good. I just hope, want to touch on a few more verses here. It's really, really good. He says, I believed, therefore, have I spoken. He says, I was greatly afflicted. He said, I said in my haste. I think this is interesting how he says, how many of us say things in our haste? Hmm. So David said, I said in my haste, all men are liars. And then he kind of repented of that because he said, I, 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 I said it in haste. But, but at that time, he had Saul after him, his son after him, his enemies that were pursuing him. And, and that was how he almost perceived it. But he, he said, I, I said it in my haste. He said, based on what God's done for me. He said, is there anything at all that I can render unto the Lord? For all of his benefits toward me. That ought to be a question that we all ponder. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need our help. He has all power. But God allows us to serve him. And then not only does he allow us to serve him, but then he turns around and he blesses us when we do. Isn't that something how that works? We serve Him because we should serve Him out of obedience and out of all the many things that He's done for us. But then when we serve Him, He turns right around and He blesses us in that as well. What shall I render unto the Lord for all of His benefits toward me? He says, I'll take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. He says, I'll pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all of his people. I believe that that just simply means that he's going to worship with the Lord's people and he's going to take it serious. And he's going to make a commitment out of worshiping the Lord whatever time that he has left. This next verse, it almost looks out of place to me. But I love the verse. It's just it just seems like it ought to go in. First Thessalonians chapter four or some other place that it just would kind of fit in. But I'm sure it's me. It's not that scriptures were inspired. So it's right where it needs to be. But I love the verse. I was 12 years old and my grandmother passed away and we were getting ready to go to the funeral. And I had a great aunt that was an old maid school teacher. And uh, she sort of took everybody under her wing. And I'll never forget that she had written this verse down and handed it to me. 
before my grandmother's service. And I've loved this verse almost 50 years. It's been a blessing. He says, precious. I like the word precious. And this is talking about the Lord. That this is a precious thought. He says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Heard someone refer to it that it's like the Lord gathering his bouquet of flowers. That it's precious to the Lord. He said precious in the sight of the Lord. Sometimes it's it's hard for us to comprehend that. But when we can see it from God's perspective. When God takes us home, there is so much that he delivers us from. I mean, this life is full of, of David talks about it right here of, of sorrow and hardship and trouble and difficulties. And probably one of the reasons that, that is precious in his sight is that he knows that, that I'm delivering one of my little ones from this world of, of, of sin and sorrow and hardship. Sometimes he's delivering us from, from uh, serious health issues. Sometimes he's delivering us from serious mental issues. Sometimes he's delivering us from a variety of troubles, but he's delivering us and taking us home to be with him. And we sing the song, how, how beautiful heaven must be. Do we really think that it is? If we really believe that it is, we should desire with everything in our heart to be with the Lord in heaven. To be freed from this world of sin and sorrow. Paul puts it like this. Paul who loved to go around and encourage people in the Lord. Paul said it like this. He said, I'm in a strait betwixt two. He, said, I, he says, as for me, as for my preference, I would rather depart and be with the Lord, which is far better. But he says, it's more needful for you that I stay here. And he said, that's why I'm still here is because it's more needful for you. It is. But in the eyes of the Lord, when he takes us home, it's precious in his sight. It is. That verse just kind of plugged in there in this chapter. I trust the inspiration of the spirit. I'm glad it's there. We'll finish the next few verses. Oh, Lord, truly I am thy servant and thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. Then again, he talks about what he's going to implement in his life. He says, I'll offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and I will call upon the name of the Lord. David said, I remember that God has dealt bountifully with me. It doesn't necessarily even mean right here that the situation that he was in when he wrote this changed. But what changed was that God blessed his soul and his spirit in the midst of it. That's why it says that we sorrow not as others which have no hope. Doesn't change the situation. It changes how we handle it because we know something greater. And that's what he's saying right here. He says... I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. 
I'm going I'm I'm to make a commitment to have a thankful heart and to express my thanksgiving to the Lord. I'll offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I'll pay my vows unto the Lord. Now in the presence of all the people. I think that could also be symbolic of being in the Lord's house and worshiping with his saints. He says, I'll pay my vows unto the Lord. Now in the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of the O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. So back to the text. David said, I was brought low, but he helped me. What a blessing to know that when we experience seasons that we're brought low, that we can just run to the Lord and he's going to help us and he'll do it every time. May God bless you.